Awaken podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, welcome to Awaken. My name is Mandy Taylor. I'm the Kids Community Director here. We are so glad you're tuning in, whether it be via podcast or YouTube. We wish we could see your faces, um, but we're glad you're here. And for those of you who have recently tuned in or um, are just new to Awaken during this season, we would still love to get to know you. Although that looks a little different, um, we would still love for you to reach out and let us know that you're here. Let us know that you're um, listening to Awaken, coming on and seeing us. So we would love to even take you out for a beverage of your choice while it's really nice out and we can be outside. So go ahead and go to the website and email any of us and we'll connect you. Um, I do have a few announcements before I do my kids' message today. We have a live virtual worship gathering this next Sunday. So instead of a podcast and video, it's going to be all live on Zoom. That link will be emailed to you as well as in our, on our website, or it won't be on our website. It's going to be in the Awaken Weekly. Um, and that is happening again next Sunday, September 27th, and it'll be at 11 o'clock. And there'll be a time where there'll be a little bit of teaching, singing, and then a breakout time for us to hopefully get in smaller groups and connect and talk more. And it'll just be awesome to see you guys. Uh, we have a Zoom worship night coming up. Actually, tonight, Mel is leading songs. Mel, will you tell us more about that? Yes, thank you, Mandy. Um, uh, so 8 o'clock tonight, if you're listening to this on Sunday, um, uh, I will be on Zoom. The link for this uh, worship night will be in the Awaken Weekly that was sent out leading up to this Sunday. So look uh, to that to get the link so that you can join in. Um, at 8 o'clock, I will be on Zoom and I will just be leading us in some musical worship. So hopefully it'll be just like a good time for you to have a little space on Sunday night um, to begin your week and... Uh, sing along with me. Um, you can't have your mic on, unfortunately, when you're on Zoom, because it's sad. There's only one audio feed at a time that can go through on Zoom, so my audio feed will be the only one. Um, but I can see your faces, and I can see your mouths moving. <laughs> sing, <laughs> so sing, sing. Be the closest thing we can get to uh, singing together, and that's kind of the whole point. So I hope to see you there. That's going to be really beautiful. And then we also, this coming Thursday, have another prayer and contemplation night where we open the doors to the church and you guys can come into the building. Um, it is very COVID-friendly. Masks are required. We have individual communion cups. We have everything spaced out. So come, that happens um, again Thursday night between 4 and 7 p.m. We would love to see you. And then... Yeah, I guess that's actually it. So you can also go to our website where we have an updated calendar to see all of the events happening because there's actually a lot happening, um, which is really awesome for fall. So go check that out. Check out the website, check the calendar and see what you can get involved in. All right, kids, today we are talking about the serve portion of live, serve and gather. I only have one verse for you, but still go get your Bible. We're going to look up today Proverbs 21, 21, and that says, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. How do you feel after you do something kind for someone or when you serve someone? How does that make you feel? 
Talk about that at home. I'll assume if you've taken time to answer that you've answered, it makes you feel good, right? It makes you feel happy. It gives you joy. And it also gives the other person joy, of course. And it even makes you a little stronger. I'm going to encourage you to try a little experiment at home today. But before we can do that, I want to explain two terms that you may or may not have heard of before. The first one is this, the ripple effect. The ripple effect is the continuing effect or result of an event or action. Think about dropping something in water, maybe at the lake this summer you did this, or in your bathtub, or in just a bowl of water. What do you see after you drop something in the water? You see something called ripples, right? Sometimes those ripples continue and make many layers of ripples, and sometimes it's just a small ripple. In order to make any amount of ripples, though, you have to do something. You have to act. You have to put something in the water. That is an act or an action. Now, you've also probably heard the term acts of kindness. Acts of kindness are ways we help and serve and care for others. Now, we're going to combine those two ideas, the ripple effect and acts of kindness. Let's think about acts of kindness as the act that or action that starts the ripple. Every time you participate in an act of kindness, you create one ripple or many ripples. Your act of kindness may cause one person to have joy or peace or happiness, or it may cause many people to have joy, happiness, peace, love. Or your act of kindness may show one person God's love, or it might show many people God's love. Think about some acts of kindness. Take time to list a few with your family now. These could be ways you have shown acts of kindness or ways others have shown kindness to you or maybe just ideas that you might have of kindness or ways to be kind to others. Take some time to do that with your family. All right, I'm sure you came up with lots of ideas. Do you think there's such a thing as too small of an act of kindness? Do you think there's anything too small to cause a ripple? This leads us to our, our experiment. To try this, now you can do this experiment now, you can pause it, or you can do it after church. I might give it away a little bit if you don't do it right now, but that's okay. To try this, you're gonna need a container of water, maybe a bowl, or maybe you wanna put some water in the sink. Then you grab a variety of items some that are light and some that are heavy. Maybe the heaviest being like a rock and the lightest could be many things. I gathered a couple things from my house. I have cake sprinkles. I'll show you how little just one little sprinkle is. It looks just like that. Oh, so tiny. There's sprinkles you could do a leaf or a marshmallow or a rock maybe for the big one. Now, try your lightest object first. So if I was trying my lightest object, I would try my sprinkle. And I'm going to just stick that in a bowl of water. Does it make a ripple? How about the leaf? Does it make a ripple? That's pretty light too. All right, now I'm going to give it away so we can talk about why we're doing this experiment. You're going to notice that even the smallest object makes a ripple. This sprinkle makes a ripple. 
And I'd like to compare that to the smallest act of kindness. Even the smallest act of kindness makes a difference. Do you agree? A small act of kindness might be as simple as a hello or a smile to someone. It causes someone else to feel seen, which makes them feel really good. Even if it's one ripple, it's worth it, right? Maybe the marshmallow or maybe the leaf would make more ripples. And acts of kindness that could compare to the marshmallow might be like opening a door for people or helping clean something in your house that your family can then enjoy and feel the peace of and joy of a clean space. Now the rock would give a pretty big ripple. And that might be a really big way of helping or showing kindness, something that causes lots of ripples. An example might be donating food or supplies to help lots of people eat and have things at their home. Another example might be picking up litter at a park so that lots of people who visit the park can see the beautiful green grass instead of the garbage. Or maybe it's teaching someone how to create something beautiful or how to do something that will in turn help other people. Acts of kindness result in the ripple effect, the continuing effect of an action. If you make one person happier, that person in turn will make someone happy, and it goes on and on and on. If you show one person how beautiful God's love is, that person will want to tell others about God's love, and it continues just like the ripple effect. And we know that it doesn't have to be something huge, right? This little sprinkle, this little maybe hello or smile makes a big difference. Kindness matters, small or big. I have a special book today called Kindness Makes Us Strong by Sophie Beer. I'm just going to read this. It's a very simple book, but it gives us some really good ideas of what kindness can look like. Kindness is saying hello. Kindness is being patient. Kindness is helping. Kindness is cheering. Kindness is trading treats, maybe not during COVID. Kindness is giving a boost. I go back. You could bring treats to a neighbor. I think that's okay. Kindness is giving a boost. Kindness is taking turns. Kindness is sharing. Kindness is offering comfort. Kindness is visiting. Kindness is reaching out. Kindness is what makes us strong. What can you do to show kindness, to serve or to care for someone, whether it be in your home, your neighborhood, at Awaken, or in the world. What skills, talents, passions, dreams, hopes, ideas do you have that you could share and cause the ripple effect? I know you all have something that you can share. And guess what? The Awaken missional team has been meeting, and you know what they want to know? They want to know this from you. What? do you have that you want to share? Or what ideas do you have that Awaken can use to show kindness in our community, in our neighborhood, in our world? I want you to be thinking about this this next week. Think about kindness. And in the Church in a Box that's coming in a couple weeks, there is going to be a paper that looks like this. 
And on this paper, you're going to have the opportunity to answer these questions. And it is so important to us that we hear from you. Because you know what? Adults can do a good job of showing kindness, but so can you. And we know that sometimes you teach us more about kindness than we can even know. So this week and next week, I want you to be thinking about ways that you could be sharing kindness, whether it brings one ripple or many ripples. And then when you get your church in a box, I want you to fill this out and mail it back to us. Or if you want to just do a video and answer the question, sometimes that's a little quicker to say it. I'd love to see those videos. So make sure you watch for this in the church in a box that's coming in a couple weeks. Your input is just as important as our adults' input and our youth's input. Together, we want to make a big difference in our community, especially during this really hard time of COVID and the time when we can't be in person together. We want to be thinking about ways that we can be missional in our larger community and neighborhood and world. Kindness goes a long ways, and whether you're big or small or whether your kindness is big or small, it makes a big difference. And just like our verse, Proverbs 20, 21 said, it gives so much life when we can be sharing kindness. All right, we're going to sing our blessing song over all of you. I hope you all have a great week ahead. give you eyes to see all that is good, all that is good. The courage for anything. May you be strong, may you be strong. May God give
All right, friends, uh, let's get to it. We're in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you can, I invite you to stand for the reading of the word, and we will jump in. Hebrews 10, therefore, brothers and sisters, having boldness to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. God, this morning as we turn our attention to um, this letter written to a group of people probably not unlike ours, not unlike us, um, it's my hope and prayer as always that you would um, take the words of the preacher and the preparations that have been made, and that you would do something that I cannot. God, that these words and your word today would be transformative, that it might change something in us, that it might encourage us, spur us on to love and good works, I pray. In the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit, amen. So welcome back, friends, to our fall series entitled Live, Serve, Gather. Our marketing team spent weeks coming up with that title, uh, where we're exploring the all-important question, what kind of church do we want to be? Um, remember in the fall, if you've been around Awaken much, uh, well, at least for a ministry year, you'll know that each fall we kind of come back to this question, uh, what, what kind of church do we want to be? What, what are the ways in which we want to, what do we want to be known for? And um, we take some time to sort of find our bearings after our summers of fun and adventure, our cabins and lakes and water parks. And it's been a good summer, truth be told. Um, In sailing, in some ways, this is like we're finding our compass and we're trying to discern like what is north. Um, In sports, it's training camp. It's sort of coming back and remembering the fundamentals of, of what this game is that we're playing 
In, uh, in hunting, it's like, what's the target? What are we aiming at? Because if we don't aim at anything, we likely won't hit anything. And so uh, that's what we're doing in this series. We're trying to gather ourselves back together as a community and say, as we move into this next ministry season, in light of our new reality of uh, this virus and not being together when we gather, but being virtual and digital, uh, in light of the, the, the different ways in which we have to adjust how we live together, even in community and in relationship. Uh, how do we do ministry and, and today? How do we serve and serve the world and our neighbor and each other in light of the world, uh, this, this reality that we live in? So those are some of the questions that we are. Oh, and, and then next week, um, you know, what does it mean to gather? Or, or in our case, uh, not gather in this room, but gather digitally. And so um, looking forward to next week and our first ever virtual live worship gathering. I hope to see you there. Um, and so this series is about how do we want to direct our energies. So remember, uh, Awaken exists to partner with God in the renewal of all things. This is our sort of grand 30,000 foot level uh, mission. This, this is why we exist. We exist to partner with God in the renewal of all things. And then within that, uh, we imagine, we envision a group of people gathered around a well. Uh, wells and fences, if, you've, if you remember this series that we've done before. If you haven't, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. This is kind of, uh, if there is one group of teachings that would describe what Awaken is and is not, it's wells and fences. And so we want to be a, a church that's gathered around this well. We believe that well is the life and teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ, and that in that, in that well is living water, water that transforms us and changes us and uh, invites us to be the kinds of humans that Jesus died for us to be, that God created us to be. So we want to gather around a well. We don't want to be busy patrolling fences and spending energy determining who's in and who's out. That's just not what we're interested in, but rather deeply trusting in the spirit among us and within us that that spirit leads us to truth, we can, we can relax a little bit and trust that that's God's work. And we really just say, like, here's the well, here's the water. And, 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 and if it is living water, then it will do what it was meant to do. So uh, that's our mission, that's our vision. And, and then these values of Jesus and justice, holism and hospitality and authenticity and beauty. Um, kind of marking the way in which we do life together as a community. So this is what Awaken um, is about. This is who we are as a church. And then this series is about what are the rhythms? You know, if we're going to sort of weekly and monthly uh, have sort of a cadence, you know, what do we want to be directing energy and effort towards? And so live, serve, and gather. Last week we talked about live and by that. We're talking about what it means to be in community, what it means to be in relationship with one another. Uh, to be vulnerable, to, to know and be known uh, as people. And so we looked at verse 24 and the author's encouragement to consider one another. And this word consider, uh, so deep and so profound, to perceive, to pursue, to behold. Uh, what does it mean to consider one another? And um, this week, we're going to look at uh, the next phrase in verse 24, which is in order. So consider one another in order, not just for your own sake, not just for navel gazing, not just because this is a club that we like to be a part of and we can sell memberships to. No, consider one another, invest in relationship with each other so that you might stir up love and good works. So what does it mean to serve one another and serve the world and our neighbor and those around us? 
And uh, this morning I want to organize our time in like three very simple words. They'll go from very general to very specific as it relates to Hebrews 10.24. So breath, irritation, and motivation. That's what we're going to do today. So let's start with breath. I mean, everybody knows that the best sermons begin with obscure references to 90s grunge rock and roll. And in particular, the best guitar riffs in 90s grunge rock and roll. And there is the obvious choice of the intro to the song Hero by the Foo Fighters. But there is this little sleeper that not a lot of people might remember. But it's by a band called Bush, and the song is Machine Head. It goes a little something like this. I mean, maybe you're wondering why I've just subjected you to the last 43 seconds. I think it's pretty easy, but in case you're still struggling, Machine Head and the scriptures begin the same. They both begin with breath. On day six, God created humans and it says, "Uh, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. It's the breath of God that creates and sustains life. And in order for a human organism to function and be alive, it has to have a heartbeat and breath. And Machine Head gets it right. It's not just breath, but it's the give and take of breathing in and breathing out. When the church is breathing in and breathing out, it's alive. It's got a pulse. It's doing something in the world. And when the church is just breathing in and only meeting the needs of itself, not exhaling in the sustaining and life-giving spirit of God, which is in you and in me now, arguably it's dying. It's not living. It's not alive. Let us consider one another so that we may stir up love and good works. The first and third words in our series, live and gather, that's about breathing in. That's about receiving. It's about community and relationships, and it's about word and sacrament and God pouring into us, right? The Eucharist is uh, the good gift. We come to this table, and we're broken, and we've poured ourselves out for the healing of the world, and then God pours back into us. That's why we gather, so live and, live and gather, they're about us. But serve love and good works for neighbor and the world. That's breathing out into the neighborhood. I love Eugene Peterson's message translation. He says in John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He says that the word or the flesh and blood moved into the neighborhood. That's the church in action, breathing out into the world. Not breathing out us, not breathing out our power, our gifts. Our, no, we're breathing out the spirit of the living God, which is indwelling, is, is tabernacling in the people of God. So, I've said this a hundred times, I'll likely say it again. For the church to be healthy and alive, it must be breathing in and breathing out. 
Otherwise, it's just pumping itself up, right? Cue the old Saturday Night Live Arnold Schwarzenegger skit. So first, breath. Second, irritation. Uh, growing up with four brothers, you can imagine there was no shortage of moments in my childhood where there was total and utter irritation, hundreds of moments, um, that I either uh, was irritated by or that I provided the irritation for. Um, my oldest brother, Matt, he went to St. Paul Central High School. They had a graphic arts department where they had a production screen printing shop. So if you had a sports t-shirt from like the 90s in St. Paul, it's likely my brother printed it. Um, but the upside of that was that you got to print your own t-shirts. So, you know, late 80s, early 90s, imagine all the neon colors, Stussy, Hypercolor, Genera, um, um, Ocean Pacific, uh, yeah, all, all of it, right? He, he, he could make all of them uh, for basically for free, which meant that I had a great wardrobe when he wasn't looking. So I would sneak into his room after he went to school and I would steal his t-shirts and I would wear them to school. And I was a cool, I tried to be a cool kid because of that. And I would try to get home before he got home and then put his t-shirts back into his dresser before he knew it. But there were a few moments when I didn't make the cut and I would come home to him and he would just lose his marbles because he'd had this conversation with us like a billion times. Like, stop stealing my stuff! Just irritated. To no end. So whether it was that or, you know, the sound of somebody's voice. One of my brothers, Jake, actually, we shared a room. And he, he wanted the light on and I wanted it off. He was doing something and I was trying to go to sleep. And so he would climb back up the bunk bed and turn the light on. And I was like, the light is off. And I would turn the light off. And I said... I swear to you, you do that one more time and I'm going to punch you. And sure enough, he crawled right back up the thing, irritated to no end. I socked him right in the stomach. I've never punched anybody except for my brother Jake one time. So whether it was that or wrecking your Legos or the fort that you had built, you know, it, you get pushed over the edge of sanity and then you just spiral into this irritated state. And then what happens after that is usually, it's not pretty, friends. And what's fascinating about this passage... Paul uses this word, paroxino, which means to make sharp or to stimulate, to spur on, to urge, irritate, provoke, arouse to anger, to scorn, despise, make angry, to exasperate. This is the word that gets translated to stir up or provoke one another. And it's categorically a negative word. And typically when it's employed, it is not in the service of love and good works. It's in the service of death and destruction, as in the case of my brothers. Usually it's about tearing down and belittling and it doesn't create life. And this is what, part of what I love about what Paul does here. As an Enneagram 8 who loves a little, you know, agitation, Paul takes a word that's typically in service of death and he takes it and makes it serve life and good. He makes it serve love and good works. And, you know, as we find ourselves in the midst of an election year, like, there's no shortage of provocation, irritation, arousal, scorn. But more often than not, these, this is in service of death and destruction, of, like, tearing down your opponent or your enemy. You know, like, the, the, the debate is often framed in terms of, like, this is, this is not, you know, two different people who disagree with each other, but we're all trying to go to the same place. No, these are two different ideologies that will lead to completely different places, and they are the enemy, or they are the enemy. So, 
It's about belittling and dehumanizing speech and action. So my question this morning is, what is your irritation in service of? Paul takes this word that usually serves death and destruction and he makes it serve love and good works. Does your provocation, your anger, lead to tearing things down or building things up? Does your, what irritates you, uh, does it lead you to, to love and good works or destruction and death? It's also important to note that when you think about Jesus and his way of loving and serving the world, it was often experienced as irritation by those who were in power, whether it be political or religious. So that's even another angle on this, on this word. And I think that, that, in some ways, that's the experience of the prophet in the Bible. They spoke to power. They spoke truth to power, whether it would be religious or political. And often their truth or their, their words, their love and action, love and good works, was experienced as irritation. I think it's still the role of the prophet in our time and in our day in some ways. Little teaser, the next series that we're going to do is called The Prophets Among Us. And we're going to look at the prophets between basically the end of this series and Advent. And each of them, like in turn, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Hosea, Micah, Amos, Obadiah. What was their message? Who were they? When were they speaking? And what might be the word for us today? That's coming. Little teaser. But what is your irritation in service of? Is it love and good works? Is it service and sacrifice or is it something else? The church is alive and well when it is breathing in and out, stirring up, provoking, agitating one another to love and good works. And so as a church called Awaken, I want to remind us, we need to be, as much as we need to breathe in and be fed and be filled and be healed and restored, we will not be healed and whole until we're breathing in and then breathing out the spirit of the living God into the world that we live in, which is often a very dark and despairing place, if I'm being totally honest. Which leads me to this last one of motivation. What motivates our love and good works? What's behind our love and good works? What's behind the actions that appear as love and good works? Or said differently, is it possible, can you act in such a way that appears as love and good works, but actually be motivated by something else? I was thinking about that this morning, and I was like, just watch the presidential debates. <laughs> what appears to be noble and whatever, I often wonder, is that what motivates what they're saying? That's, I don't, need, I don't mean to judge. But I think we've all, we've, all, we've all experienced this before, where someone who gives of themselves constantly, sacrificing, serving others, but in the end, it's, it ends up being not out of a place of generosity or overflow, but out of guilt for mistakes that have been made. Or think about the person who's just like a hard driver, type A, they're the first to arrive, they're the last to leave, they will not fail, they work their, you know, work their nose to the grindstone, or whatever that phrase is. And then you find out that that person's actually trying to win the approval and the love of somebody that they never got approval and loved by. Or the person who's in ministry, the pastor, or the person who works for the nonprofit, who in the end is motivated not by love, but by shame. So this is really, really important, and I'm going to kind of slow down as we wrap this up this morning. The church won't be alive and well unless it is both breathing in and breathing out. 
cultivating community and relationships and vulnerability and friendship and intimacy and gathering together as the church and serving the world, breathing out service and sacrifice, love and good works. But it is very possible to participate in actions of love and good works that appear as love and good works but be motivated having but but be motivated by something else having never fully received and accepted love and grace but rather be motivated by guilt or shame or some other it's possible to participate in the actions of love and good works in order that instead of because i have been let me parse this out it's possible to 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 serve and love to, to, be part, to, to, to participate in love and good works in order that. In order that I might not feel as bad or feel guilty or feel shame or in order that I might feel loved. But as your pastor, what I pray for, what I long for, what I work for is, is that your love and good works might not be that but would rather be because I have been, because I have received 1 John chapter 4 says, God is love. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, these three verses. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There is no fear in love. I would say there is no shame in love. There is no guilt in love. But perfect love drives out those things because fear and guilt and shame have to do with punishment. We love because Christ first loved us. Oh, that we might know, truly know, down to the tips of our toes, to the tops of our heads, the perfect love of God in Christ. That we might, that that fear and shame and guilt and duty are called out for what they are. Imposters and prison guards keeping us from walking out of the unlocked gates of, into grace. Grace that awaits us, awaits us to that longs to sweep us up in its arms and hold us and change us and transform us so that our love and good works are no longer motivated by deficit in in order that, but rather because we have been found, because we have received, because we have been changed by the love of God in Christ, because we have drank of living water. So I guess I'll pause and ask, do you know that love? Have you experienced that kind of love? Has that been enfleshed and like in a body? Do you know the love of God in Christ? Or maybe even do you need to receive that again afresh today? Friends, we can serve and give and sacrifice until we're blue in the face. And that's, it's, it's good. One could argue, even when it's motivated by guilt and shame, but I would suggest to you that that doesn't last and, 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 and that cannot be sustained. But when our love and good works are motivated, not in order that, but because we have been, because we have received, there is an unending well of grace and motivation in the, in the being of God, in the person of Jesus, that is yours and mine. That can be sustained. That can be a life lived 
in longevity. And it might not seem like a big deal, but I guess I would beg to differ that when our service and sacrifice, our love and good works, like comes to the world because we have, or, or when, when, it, when it comes because we have been loved or because we have received, it comes as a gift, no strings attached. But when we serve and love in order that, that's actually not a gift because I need something from you. I need something from this act. And that's not a gift. That's not good news. So to my friends and to the church called Awaken, this morning I invite you to receive the breath of God in the form of community and relationships and friendships, to, in, to invite and receive the word and sacrament, which we'll talk more about next week, to breathe in and then breathe out as we serve each other and our neighbor and the world that we find ourselves in. I invite you to provoke and irritate, to stir up love and good works, service and sacrifice, not in order that you might not feel guilty, shame, or fear, or duty, but because you have been embraced by grace and changed by love. This is the gospel. This is good news, and it's yours. So as we close today, one final question. Amidst the world that we live in now, where everything has changed in some ways, do you know what you're being invited to? Do you know the work that you're being called to? This is a question that Jenna keeps asking me, and I love it. Uh, Micah, do you, know what, do you know the work you're being called to in this one particular area? And I would ask the same of you. Do you know the love and good works that you're being invited to step into? And it may be really simple. You may not even think it counts. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's helping them learn this year instead of doing something. That's love and good works. And can that be motivated by uh, because you have been, because you have received, not in order that, so that you don't feel guilty about your bad parent. It may be as simple as, I don't know, But do you know the love and good works, the service and sacrifice that you are being invited into? And and do we know as a church, there's a team of people, six of us who are gathering, a little missional team, something that I'm in charge of this year, that Jenna has led and, and now was handed off to me. And so we're coming back together to say, do we know what's in our hands and do we know the love and good works that we're being called to as a community? We're actually meeting tonight. So in the next few moments, as we move to prayer and communion, I'd invite you to consider, I'd invite you to think about, do you know the love and good works that you're being, that's, that, that I'm stirring up, that I'm provoking you to, specifically for you? And as a community, what do we have that we can give in love and good works to the world and to each other and to our neighbor? This is the kind of church I want to be a part of, one that's not just about itself. One that I was, th- I, was, I was thinking about, I woke up this morning thinking about this. Like, what, in what ways does this neighborhood, what are the needs present in this neighborhood? And how do we step into those so that if Awaken like vanished tomorrow, this neighborhood would say, man, we really miss those guys. We really miss their presence in our community. I don't, truth be told, I don't think we've lived into that as a church. And, uh, and I'm excited about that for this next year. 
discerning that and moving towards that. I feel like a strong invitation towards that this year. So as a community, do we know what that is? Do we exist just for ourselves? And now that we can't meet in this room, like it sort of shines the spotlight on the importance of this. Because if we don't have this to take up our time and to, you know, um, keep us from being bored or like, oh, what are we doing? Well, yeah, okay. I feel it too. So let's lean into it. Pray with me. God, this morning in this next few moments of silence, I pray that you would find us where we are as individuals and as a church and that you might invite us, that you might stir up, you might provoke, you might irritate in us something that would move us towards love and good works, service and sacrifice, that we might as individuals know with confidence what we feel you are inviting us into. If we're not sure, give us the courage to ask those around us who know us well and who love us and whom we trust. And then give us the confidence to be able to say, oh, that's not my grace. That's not, uh, no, I'm, I'm invited to this in this season. So that there's clarity uh, and ease of, yep, it's this, not that. So in the next few moments, I pray that for for individuals, and I pray that you might lead us as a church for those who are involved in this conversation around what does it mean for us to serve and love and give ourselves away to the neighbors around us and the world that we find ourselves in. I pray for clarity. I pray for your spirit uh, present in our midst and in our conversation, opening our eyes, opening our ears to listen and hear uh, what the needs around us are. So Holy Spirit, speak, I pray. So as we make our way towards communion in the table, just a reminder that this is called the Eucharist. That's a Greek word. Two words combined, eu and charis. It means good gift. And it is the body and blood of Christ, which is the good gift, the good news to the world, to you and, and me. And in theory, The idea is that the church, the people of God, are running around in all the places that they find themselves, pouring themselves out, giving themselves away, loving and and doing good works because we have been loved, not in order that, and that we come back to this table, that we gather together for word and sacrament, and that this body and blood, this bread and this wine becomes the good gift for us. And so we come to this table, poor and needy, broken in some ways, having been poured out, needing bandages and a respite and a a moment to breathe in. And so uh, we take this bread and this cup and we breathe it in, um, in hopes that God heals and restores and rebuilds and remakes and sends us back out into the world. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he said, This is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, 
do it in remembrance of me. You've watched me break my body and give it away to the world, feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who were naked, visiting those who were in prison, releasing the captives from whatever it is they are oppressed by. Do the same. Whenever you eat of it, remember that. And in the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood, which is about to be shed for you. Uh, and, and in this moment, something new will happen, a new covenant, a new deal, a new agreement, a new promise between God and humanity. And so when you drink of this cup, remember, remember the ways in which I have poured myself out and given myself away for the healing of those around me. And then do the same. Remember me. So this table is not the table of the church. It's not mine. It's not pastors. It's not priests. It's not the clergy's. It's the table of the Lord. And it's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have a little bit of faith, you who have a lot of faith, you who have been here often or maybe not for a long time or ever before, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come not because I invite you or because the church invites you, but because the resurrected Christ invites you to come and be fed here at the table. So as you take the bread, I invite you to hear this, these words, the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat, my friends. And in the same way, as you take the cup, I invite you to hear these words, the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. We're going to close this morning um, by singing. So um, we've chosen a few songs that I think fit, uh, one that we introduced last week and one of my favorites um, that I, I love hearing you all sing. So I'm just going to imagine that. So um, let's sing together as we close.
And now people of Awaken, receive this benediction. The Lord sees you. The Lord keeps you. The Lord causes his face to shine upon you. And he is gracious to you. And he gives you his peace. Now go in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week. www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter by Awaken Community. See you next time.